Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another Sunday night edition of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me, as always, is Mike Taglier. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at Mike Taglier NFL. Now, as we are starting recording this, the two-minute warning just hit in the Bears-Cards game, but Tags, professional that he is, wants to go ahead and go through it. So if you hear some crazy sounds over there, don't worry. It's just Tags reacting to whatever's going on. Tags, other than the fact that your heart is probably in your throat right now, how you doing? <laughs> it's It's been a weird day, man. It's been a weird day of football. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's always a good day. As long as we're watching football, it's a good day. But uh, yeah, the Bears are currently, it's fourth down for the Cardinals. They brought in Josh Rosen at the end of the game for the final drive. Like, what a day to be Josh Rosen, to like just be thrown into a fourth quarter comeback against the Chicago Bears front seven that, as we know, it's just nasty. So, uh, yeah, I, you might hear a live reaction. Yeah, that'll be great, actually, for the listeners. I'm sure they'd really enjoy it. But uh, regardless, he looks... Bears interception! <laughs> Bears, Bears win. Game over. Uh, all right. Now it's going to be a great podcast. But literally, you got the live Mike Taglier reaction. So there you go. It's a happy day for everyone. And I'm sure this is probably going to be his best performance. Now, there's a lot of action to get to, not just that awesome Bears win. But before we get into it, I do want to remind everybody that we do have a signed Todd Gurley throwback Rams jersey to give away to one lucky listener. You can submit an entry in 30 seconds by going to fantasypros.com slash contest. Now, the jersey comes from Pristine Auction, and if you haven't checked out that site yet, you really need to. Pristine Auction has hundreds of auctions that end daily, and everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. And as someone who once paid about $200 on another website for an autographed Chad Pennington picture, I can guarantee you that you're going to be shocked by how low some of these prices are. I took a look just to see what closed yesterday. There was a signed Keenan Allen Chargers jersey for $81.90. A Le'Veon Bell signed helmet from his soon-to-be former team for $122.85. And from who I can only assume was Tags bidding on this, a Mike Singletary signed Bears jersey inscribed HOF98 for $68.25. Now it's free to register and it's free to bid. You only pay for something if you actually walk away with the merchandise. Just go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E.com. And there's a how did you hear about us section. So make sure you mention that you heard about them from Fantasy Pros so we can keep offering things like the Todd Gurley jersey. All right, Tags, other than the fact that the Bears come up with an enormous win, tell me about a big takeaway that you had from today. Uh, that the Vikings are not who we thought they were. Um, I, I think there's a lot of survivor pools that were ruined today uh, by that loss. I know myself, I had the Vikings in, in my survivor pools. Uh, it, it's a bad week. Um, but in terms of the NFL in general, I mean, it's just any given Sunday. You know, we know that's the that's the saying, but there's a reason it's a saying because it's like any given Sunday, things can just happen. Like Green Bay losing by two touchdowns to Washington after they were embarrassed by the Colts last week. You had Indianapolis bring Philadelphia down to the wire. I mean, there were just so many games this week where it's like, you know, we thought last week was kind of sporadic and like, you know, off the wall, but this week may have been even worse. That Vikings loss was one of the most unexpected losses that I can remember. There are always one or two throughout the season where you're like, how could that have happened? But legitimately, I don't remember what the spread was, Tag, 16 and a half. It was something crazy like that. And I mean, frankly, it was debatable whether or not they'd cover. It really was. It was close. So that game was ridiculous. We're going to get to it. And I think probably my takeaway, and maybe yours too, will be just throw it out as one of those days. I don't really think there's much you can take of it from the Vikings, but we'll see. For me... The Jimmy G injury, I mean, we don't have the official word right now, um, but it sounds like they fear that it's a torn ACL, which would obviously end his season, which is a real bummer both for regular football fans and for fantasy owners. Obviously, C.J. Bethard is the guy who would come in. He had a 55% completion percentage last year, four touchdowns to six interceptions. But for me, tags, honestly, we'll, we'll get into that game, but 
What do you think? What 49ers would be weekly starting options if Garoppolo is indeed done for the year? Oh, it's it's rough, man, because I think Marquise Goodwin goes back to your bench. I mean, I actually I started doing my uh, rest of the season rankings during the afternoon games, and uh, knowing that Jimmy Garoppolo most likely has a torn ACL, because whenever they say they fear it's that, 95% of the time, that's exactly what it is. I think the one who suffers most is is uh, Goodwin, just because like he's a guy that had this rapport with Jimmy G. His entire career, he was known as like a one-trick pony, and... Um, I don't know, man. Even Pierre Garçon today, I mean, one catch for 11 yards against that pathetic defense. Like, I don't know what's going on with that team right now. Their offense hasn't really been in sync. It could come down to the running back position and the fact that they, they were forced to do some things that they weren't prepared to this year without Jarek McKinnon. Fortunately for them, uh, Matt Breida came back because he looked like he suffered a non-contact, like bad knee injury at the beginning of the game, and then he ended up coming back. So um, it's it's ugly, man. And if you have Marquise Goodwin, I mean, I don't know how much you can sell him for, but maybe sell high on the fact that he just scored a touchdown. I don't know, man. It's just it's ugly, and I, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting any of the wide receivers in that team. Yeah, I agree. And funny, so what we do or what I do during the, the games generally is I just make notes, right? Because I think of things that we're probably going to be talking about. And in the middle of the day, I wrote Matt Breida season-ending injury. Get ready to talk about that and the impact of what it's going to have on Alfred Morris. Of course, Matt Breida comes back into the game somehow. It looked bad. And then Jimmy Garoppolo goes out almost assuredly for this season. So I agree. Certainly Marquise Goodwin, who last year was not expected to kind of develop into this receiver at this point, but he really looked, you know, good generally last year. He was still sort of, you know, he was fighting injury so far this year, but he's obviously going to be a weekly starter. I completely agree if assuming that Bethard is the guy. Uh, I really don't think you can rely on Goodwin. And, and frankly, I don't know what you're going to do with either of these running backs who are kind of, you know, Brita is a guy who you could probably feel comfortable as a low-end RB2 before this injury. Morris may be a little lower than that. I think it's going to significantly downgrade them too. Any other big takeaways from the day tags? Uh, Calvin Ridley is the real deal. Um, you know, I talked about him a lot in the, like during the offseason. You know, I did a lot of draft podcasts. I had some experts come on the show, and uh, I stood up for Calvin Ridley every chance I got. I know he didn't have a great combine in terms of metrics, but uh, if you always watch the tape on him, he was always a phenomenal guy. He, he was the most pro-ready receiver coming into the league, so the Falcons obviously knew what they were doing, putting him opposite Julio Jones, and uh, I was watching that game, and it was crazy. So Marshawn Lattimore was shadowing Julio Jones throughout the game Ken Crawley got benched they they put on PJ Williams and they went back to Crawley and they they basically ran out of options to cover Calvin Ridley so what did they do they actually stuck Marshawn Lattimore on Calvin Ridley and uh Julio Jones shortly thereafter catches like you know a 50-yard bomb that was underthrown it should have been a touchdown uh but it was underthrown so this Falcons passing attack is worth investing in. I don't think it's like uh, I don't think it's like an off the radar thing because like when you look at Keanu Neal and Deion Jones, since those two went down, Matt Ryan has thrown for almost 700 yards and six touchdowns. It's going to happen a lot more often than you think. Uh, even if Steve Sarkeesian isn't the best play caller, it worked what he did today. They lost because their defense is terrible, but that's going to happen going forward. Yeah, I mean, this game was pretty much just fantasy goodness for anybody who played in it. But let me ask you something. Ridley obviously had a phenomenal game, as you said, caught seven of his eight targets for 146 yards and three touchdowns. What do you think you're going to do with him rest of the season? I know you said you were just working on your rankings coming into this week. You had him 56. I had him 66. So I'm wondering what you think you're going to be around coming into next week. Yeah, I moved him into the top 50. Uh, I have him at like 47 right now. Like I'm slowly moving him up, but I'm not going to I don't want to overreact to one game. Uh, I, I like Ridley the player. But at the same time, he had, what, five targets through the first two weeks. So it was hard to – and I had that conversation in the live chat that I did this morning. Um, somebody asked me about Ridley, and I said I really liked Ridley this week. I felt like it was one of those weeks where he was going to benefit from Julio Jones getting that shadow coverage. Uh, the whole Ken Crawley, P.J. Williams thing, I talked about this, and that's why like, I had Ridley in a lot of my DFS lineups because I felt like he was a good play. 
but with that being said, I, I was unwilling to rank him higher than like a top 40 wide receiver because again, he had seen only five targets. Like, but I, I do think the volume is going to continue to rise for the Falcons knowing that their defense is so bad. And that's something that we have to build into Ridley's projection going forward. So I don't want to say he's a wide receiver three yet, but I do think that he's like in that wide receiver four in a good matchup. You definitely want to play him. Yeah, I agree. I'm probably going to have him like I did coming into this week, a little lower than you did. I'm not quite as, I mean, obviously today was great. This game, you know, their defense, the Falcons defense is definitely weak, but obviously this game just had all the makings of a crazy shootout. So I think it's, you know, I'm going to probably move him up. My guess is he'll be in the low fifties for me, but I agree. He's not going to be somebody just because of this, that you're going to feel comfortable playing every week. Certainly not, but he definitely could develop into that. So obviously to the extent he's available, you need to pick him up and I'm sure he'll be one of the hot waiver wire options. Um, One of my other takeaways, you know, we talk about him every week and we'll probably still continue to talk about it but Patrick Mahomes just can't be stopped 24 of 38 for 314 yards and three touchdowns if you saw that one touchdown pass that he had I think it was to Chris Conley where he scrambled to one side and then ran back to the other side and found him open just, there aren't many quarterbacks who can do everything he's doing now tags we talked about him last week you still you had him at nine coming into the week are you finally ready to bump him up maybe to your top five I did actually. I did move him up to number five, but I, I am also putting the sell high uh, tag on him. Uh, the reason I'm doing that is because over the next two weeks. So here's the thing: nobody ever wants to sell a player that's like literally at the top of his game, right? He's obviously the number one quarterback right now. Everybody knows that, and that's why his his stock value is so high. But if you're playing like let's pretend this is we have to play like the stock market, right? If there's a stock that you know it's at its absolute all time high, it literally the value cannot get any higher. Why are we not selling? Because he's going to play in Denver next week. And then after that, he's going to be back at home, but he's going to be against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know nobody wants to play against them. These are two teams that you don't typically aim to start quarterbacks against. I don't think the Broncos are as worrisome as they once were. Uh, but the, with that matchup coming up, I think it's not a great matchup. That's for sure. And then the Jags, I just think it's time to sell. And if I watch that game, to be fair... He did not have a great game either. Uh, you know, so many people will look at the box score. They'll see the three touchdowns and, and the 300 and some yards. But I'm telling you, when I watched that game, he missed throws. He overthrew guys. He missed some guys that were wide open. Does he make some fantastic throws? Absolutely. I think you're going to deal with some ups and downs. And again, he hasn't had those downs. But guys, I feel like we're doing this all over again. Do you remember like, so Deshaun Watson was considered the number one dynasty quarterback this offseason. Everybody was buying that Kool-Aid after a five game sample size. How has he looked this year? He hasn't looked very good. I always thought that Patrick Mahomes had the highest ceiling of that draft class, but it all, it all came down to how he was coached, how he was like brought into the offense. I think they played it right, and he he probably is going to be the best quarterback in that draft class considering what they did with him, letting him sit for a year, taking the offense, playing for Andy Reid. But again, in one quarterback leagues, we could find guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know what I mean? Like you got Patrick Mahomes maybe on the waiver wire. Like there were some leagues where he was not drafted. So we could find these guys all the time. But guys, just remember, it's a three-game sample size. Don't all of a sudden think that he's a better quarterback going forward than Aaron Rodgers. I'm not willing to do that yet. So I, I'm not going to entirely disagree. On the one hand, number one, first of all, in dynasty formats, yep, I agree. There's no way. This is ridiculous, and it you could probably get a ransom for him, and you should. Number two, you know, I, I agree that every single player is a sell-high candidate at any given time if they're playing over their head. You can never say, I'm not dealing this person, no matter what. If somebody comes over to you and offers you Todd Gurley for Patrick Mahomes, you would obviously take that. So I'm not saying that. But I don't know, man. For me, look, if Watson hadn't gotten hurt last year, 
who's to say he wouldn't have just kept on that run? You know, I, I mean, for me, if I own Mahomes, I'm I'm fine if I can get a ransom for him. But for the most part, I think I'm holding tight. Now, I had him at five coming into this game. He's going to be higher than that coming in. I don't know if I'm going to where I'm going to have him versus Rodgers. We're going to talk about Rodgers because, I mean, if you watch this game, you've got to be nervous going forward. And I have no idea how long he's kind of going to be fighting this knee injury. So for me, you look, man, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going to have him because I don't do my rankings until usually Monday, maybe Tuesday. But honestly, in the end, I, I'm not looking to deal him just because you're right. There are plenty of quarterbacks out there. If a guy like this, a guy like this can win you a week single-handedly if he keeps going. And I agree that his value will probably never be higher. And he certainly will not have these types of games against the Jaguars, especially maybe Denver. But regardless, I don't know, man. I'd be inclined to hold unless somebody totally blew me away. Pretend this. Pretend so you have Patrick Mahomes and someone, if you're able to get Mark Ingram for him, would you do that? Nope. Really? I'm not doing that. I would do it every day. I think that that's fair. I'm not going to blame you for for doing that. Um, but to me, right now, and I agree, he missed throws absolutely. But what he can do, man, especially, and he's got his legs, which he hasn't even fully used yet. I mean, he's throwing in 30, 40 yards rushing right now. For me, I'm holding him over that. I want like a legitimate, you know, borderline kind of. I, I mean, putting aside, look, I get it. In a one quarterback league, of course, if you have Jimmy Garoppolo somehow and that was your quarterback, you, you're you not done for the season. You can find a guy that you can stream very easily. But a guy like Mahomes, man, who's putting up, you know, 30 points every week or something like that, he's, he's just a huge difference maker. And you take your points where you can get him. So for me, I mean, you know, maybe if I was desperate at running back, but other than that, no, I'm holding. So this is, this is going to be a good conversation. But for sure, I, I agree. All right. So uh, before we get into the the game recaps. Um, you know, we did this Arnold Schwarzenegger segment last week. And, you know, putting aside that you for a moment thought that who is your daddy and what does he do was from <laughs> Terminator 2, just for a second. I feel like it was generally a success. So we're going to stick with it. I'm going to do a couple of things. This one, Tags, remember, you got to name the movie. I'm going to give you a hint. It's not Terminator 2. Okay, so there you go. Ready? Consider that a divorce. Have you heard of it? I don't think I've ever seen that one. Okay, it's Total Recall. Have you ever seen that one? Oh, I, I did back when I was younger. I only seen it like one time, and it was like I was so young when that movie came out. It's fantastic. Are they on Mars? Is it in a dream? What's going on? Well, in that, that's his what he thought was his wife, but is actually just someone playing his wife, Sharon Stone, and he eventually takes out his gun and shoots her and consider that a divorce. So what I'm going to do with this one is I'm going to name players, and I want you to tell me whether or not you're essentially getting divorced from them, whether you're done with them based on their recent performance, okay? Yeah, I like All it. All right, yeah, not bad, whatever. I've got creativity. Okay, number one, Demarius Thomas, okay? He caught all five of his targets today for 63 yards, but on the season, 16 catches, for just 144 yards, you had him 22nd in your rest of season ranks. Where is he going forward? Are you done with him? Or are you keeping him as a wide receiver too? Uh, divorcing him as a wide receiver too, for sure. Uh, he's 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 moving down into the wide receiver three range. And honestly, I think I in my latest rankings, I'm going to pull it up right now because I want to be honest about this and tell you exactly where I had him because I I know I moved him down. Uh, he went down to number 27. Uh, so he's in the wide receiver three range. I he had a tough matchup today, so I don't want to take too much away from it. Brandon Carr was a tough matchup, and uh, I know. People think A.J. Green had three touchdowns against the Ravens, but he didn't do it in Brandon Carr's coverage. And uh, knowing that Demarius isn't playing much in the slot, he, he was going to be matched up with Carr a lot of the time. So um, divorcing him based on, you know, what was expected out of him, absolutely. I think Case Keenum has been a, a disappointment. 
Yeah, I agree. And he, look, Sanders is just kind of, you know, more involved. I get Thomas is getting targets. I mean, so I don't really want to take it away. And he caught all five of them, obviously, today. So that's a good sign. But I agree. It's just, I don't know, something doesn't feel right about that offense at all. I agree that Keenum's been a disappointment. So I agree. Out of the wide receiver two range, kind of, I, I had him about where you did. So I'm going to move him down probably into the low 20s, I would think. I'm just not really that excited about him. Michael Crabtree, seven catches for 61 yards. Not bad. He's got 15 catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. We really, really differed in our rest of season rankings coming to this week. It's funny. I have something that comes up that just shows me my rankings versus tag. So it's interesting when I notice a big difference. You had him 28th in your rest of season rankings. I had him 46th going forward before this week. Where are you going forward, do you think? Well, I have him at 34 right now. I actually, I did lower him down and uh, I did have a sell tag on him last week. So to see him at 28, obviously you had him lower. Good for you. Um, because like my concern with Michael Crabtree is the fact that, you know, Joe Flacco has never had like that go up and get it wide receiver in the red zone. Right. And Crabtree has always made a living off that, like that red zone bully, kind of like a Des Bryant type player where it's like, you could throw it up to him. He'll, he's probably going to come out down with it in one-on-one situations, but Flacco's not that guy. Uh, Flacco is like, he wants to see a guy open and that's why he's never thrown so many touchdowns. He hasn't had that guy in his offense, so I doubt he develops that trait now. And it's clear that John Brown is like his favorite target. Crabtree is going to be—he's going to be fine. But it's—it's it's like that kind of player you stick in your lineup, and he's very boring. He's not going to lose you your your fantasy matchup that week, but he's probably not going to win you a championship either. Yeah, I mean, I again, I had him forty-six. I, you know, my rankings move a little bit every time, but my guess is that's around where I'm going to have him. He's fine. You're right, and but he's mostly for me a bye week filler. I don't really like him. And again, yeah, I agree. John Brown has totally surpassed him in in Flacco's heart. So I, I really do think that that's more of the receiver to own in Baltimore. Next, Corey Davis, two catches for 34 yards. He had him 27th. He's got 13 catches for 151 yards. We do not know who throws him the ball in any given week. What are you doing with him going forward? That's the thing. I, I don't, I'm not going to divorce him because uh, I do believe in the talent. I believe that the offense wants to get in the ball. Uh, the problem is that Marcus Mariota's look ter- terrible. They didn't want him to play this week. The only reason he played is because Blaine Gabbert got absolutely obliterated. Uh, that team just looks like a mess. Uh, Yet they keep winning, by the way, somehow. Yeah, I know they won somehow back-to-back weeks now. But, uh, yeah, I don't – it's a mess. I mean, it has to improve. But this week, I don't know what we expected, though. I mean, like Jalen Ramsey was pretty much on him the majority of the day. And nobody's ever going to have a great day against Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. It's just not going to happen. So – uh, Corey Davis, I'm not divorcing him. Um, I do think he's a phenomenal football player, but I am a little worried about the situation. Yeah, I love Davis as a player, but I'm willing to basically bet against him until he shows me that I'm wrong. You know, that that's basically my philosophy on him coming in. I, I'm just not a guy who's willing to start him really in any sort of format at this point. And, you know, one day he's going to have the big game because he's a phenomenal talent. But until he does, I'm more than happy to bet against him for the time being uh all right jamal williams so he had seven touches for 45 yards aaron jones the same number of touches but more carries you had jamal williams 26 coming in we talked about it last week you liked jamal williams you weren't all that worried because of his ability to pass protect with rogers how do you feel about him going forward you you okay with him as a borderline rb2 still no i'm divorcing him you know i i I think the reason that he keeps playing is because he's a good uh he's obviously good as a pass protector but he has done nothing on the ground to show that he deserves to stay on the field aaron jones at least had somewhat of a spark today to the offense and it i mean they obviously the offense as a whole it was a messy game like that game was like it was raining throughout the entire game so it was always going to be ugly I figured that the ground games would have been able to do more but Jamal Williams has just been very mediocre he's not adding any value to that team right now outside of the pass protection and honestly Rodgers was on the run quite a bit today so they need someone to take the pressure off they need to get that ground game going so I think Aaron Jones sooner rather than later starts getting 
more of the carries. I mean, I, th- I just think he deserves them at this point because Jamal Williams has done nothing, nothing to, to, to like keep that job outside of pass protection. I couldn't agree more. And you basically said it right. His whole job is pass protection. And Rodgers was limping for his life, basically. I don't even want to call it running because he's just trying to get away. Jones looked explosive when he was in there. I mean, Jamal, seven touches, 45 yards. That's fine, obviously. But Jones looked more explosive if you were watching it. I think they need to establish the ground game more. I think Jones can do that. I think they're going to turn to him. So I agree. Jamal Williams, not really my guy coming in. I have saved the best for last tags. I want to put you on the spot because I know how you feel about this guy. I love him too. Amari Cooper, you had him 14th rest of season coming in. Now, there was talk. Xavier Howard basically came out and said, I'm going to shadow Amari Cooper. Now, I didn't watch the game closely, but I assume based on the fact that Howard had two interceptions and Amari Cooper had two catches for 17 yards, that that's what he did. I mean, where where is he, Tags? Are you ready to divorce Amari Cooper yet? That's one of those games where I have to go back and watch because I didn't watch like I didn't watch it live. It wasn't one of the chosen games on my screens because um, I, I have to pick a certain amount of games because I only have... Well, I have three TVs up and then I have like my three monitors for my computer, but I, um, so I have to like pick and choose, especially when the games are at noon. So I didn't watch that game. Uh, I do know that Amari Cooper had just five targets in the game. That's a problem. Again, I, I had the conversation. So the issue, the reason I had him number 14 in my ranks was because basically there was nobody below him that I felt really confident about. Like, you know, T.Y. Hilton. I mean, do I think that's going to continue and like him scoring touchdowns every week? No, I didn't. Chris Hogan. Now with Josh Gordon there, with Julian Edelman coming back, Allen Robinson, Mitch Trubisky has been back. Like there's so many questions about around those players that I was like, okay, I didn't feel great about having him there, but it was kind of like process of elimination. And it's like, okay, if they, if they keep targeting him 10 times, like they did in week two, he's going to be a wide receiver one. But the problem is, is like, I, again, in the live chat this morning, I said, I'm unwilling to, to like trust Amari Cooper based on a one game sample size. Like I believe in his talent. I do not believe in the coaching and I do not believe in Derek Carr. And it reared its ugly hat again today, five, five targets and two of them came late. Just terrible. I lowered him for sure. I have him down at 19 right now. Um, again, I don't think that there's many players in that range. I, I think you could confidently say that are like great plays every single week. So I'm just trusting that Cooper is going to have bigger weeks than those guys do, even though it's going to be inconsistent. Yeah, I I agree with you that at that range, I don't really feel confident in the rankings. And if you put one guy, you know, the difference between seven spots in that range is very little to me. You know what I mean? So it doesn't really mean anything. But I'm going to have him outside uh, – Wide receiver two range at this point, buddy. I had him 24th coming in. This is going to lower it. I do think there will be big weeks. Even last year during his, you know, where he had a really down season, he would have those occasional monstrous weeks. So I think some of those are coming, but man, it is frustrating because I love the talent, but it's just not coming through. So, all right. Tags, by the way, exceptional job sticking with like the theme of the game. I love that you were literally divorcing people like (laughs) right there with your words. I don't believe in divorce, but yeah, I'm divorcing fantasy players. Me neither. Now look, (laughs) I, I feel bad for you, Tags, that you didn't really get to watch the game with Amari Cooper. So, you know what I think you should probably do tomorrow? Check it all out on NFL Game Pass because that is basically why the NFL gods invented NFL Game Pass because sometimes you just don't have enough screens. So tomorrow, in addition to the Amari Cooper game, I'm going to obviously watch Patrick Mahomes making football look silly, the absurd shootout between the Falcons and the Saints, and frankly, the Bills-Vikings game because I want to figure out how the world turned upside down. Now, if you clear your Mondays every day like Tags and I do, then you can watch the full broadcast version of the games commercial free. But if you don't have that much time, you can just watch the condensed game version. That takes only about 45 minutes. And if you really want to dig deep into the game, you can watch the coaches film, which shows the all-22 angle that the pros and the coaches use. With NFL Game Pass, it is game time anytime. The best of all, you can kick off the 2018 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up now at nfl.com slash fantasypros. Game on. 
All right, Tags, as we always do, let's briefly touch on the Browns' first win in over 600 days. Everyone got a beer. And finally, thanks to Baker Mayfield, we got to see one of the greatest coaches of our time, Hugh Jackson, get to finally <laughs> really celebrate, and we can see what he can do. I'm obviously joking there. Tags has made his feelings on Hugh Jackson well-known, and I think anybody who analyzes fantasy agrees. Browns 21, Jets 17. So let's take it real simple. What's the impact on the Browns' offense with Baker Mayfield at the helm. Anything? Does anybody move up? Uh, yeah, Jarvis Landry moves up my rankings. Yeah, I actually got him into, he's borderline wide receiver one going forward. He can create separation. Jarvis Landry always has been able to create separation. He's not a deep guy, but he the reason he's a good player is because he's phenomenal uh, when it comes to changing direction and getting open underneath, and that's why they used him in that way. Uh, he doesn't have to be just that, and I think we saw when Baker came into the game, Jarvis Landry can catch a lot of different routes. He could run a he could run a fade route, and Baker could hit him like literally on the on the opposite shoulder, and it just the ball's just right there when he turns around. One of the things about Baker is that his accuracy is it's so good. Um, like it's second to none. It wasn't even close in terms of like comparing quarterbacks to him in this draft. Now he's gonna have some rookie mistakes, and that's gonna happen. But Baker is phenomenal. So uh, Jarvis Landry going forward, great. Antonio Callaway nasty drop like there the, the, there was a more than one I think well even if you go like he burnt Morris Claiborne looks stupid in that game like he he like continually was burned nonstop. but uh Baker Mayfield he's just really good and I've been saying that uh I do I have him as a top 12 dynasty quarterback before that start so I already I always believed in Baker Mayfield um just to see that I think he raises the ceiling of everybody around him including David Njoku if you can buy him in season-long leagues buy David Njoku really cheap right now yeah, no, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, Mayfield looked great. The one thing I will say, I mean, I think the Browns ran 74 plays. So the Jets defense was completely exhausted at that point. But yeah, he is accurate. He was great. He was 17 of 23. And I counted at least three drops. So I mean, legitimately, the guy was was very close to having a perfect day. So really, I agree. Jarvis Landry up. And I think just as a whole, the Browns offense is going to work better. Going to the Jets side, to the extent it matters, tags, which Jets running back do you prefer going forward? Or does it not really matter? I don't think it really matters. And there's so many people coming at me about my Isaiah Crowell takes and yeah, that's fine guys he scored he scored two touchdowns again and I get it it's it's hard for me to defend but I mean when you look at the actual game and outside of those two carries where he scored he didn't look great and th those count I can't I can't deny that but I still don't see a phenomenal talent when I watch Isaiah Crowell I know Dan you're a Jets guy so you watch the team very closely um you don't you probably don't carry as much I'm not saying hatred for Isaiah Crowell I just don't think he's a phenomenal player I think there's difference makers at the running back position and I think there's just guys I think he's just a guy um, who fell into two touchdowns and that's I don't know the week before that what did he have 35 total yards in a game I think that's what you're going to get out of Isaiah Crowell but Quincy Anunua is the only story for me with the Jets like that guy I said it last week I think he's an every week wide receiver three Robbie Anderson has kind of fallen off the map yeah, Robbie Anderson is, in my opinion, is completely irrelevant in fantasy leagues at this point. He can be dropped. I mean, Sam Darnold does not take shots. Uh, so it, it's really, you know, I don't know how many targets he's getting at this point. I know I think he got one the first week. He obviously lost a fumble. Um, Anunua, I agree. You had him 39 coming in. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Are you ready to move him into solid wide receiver three territory going forward? I have him at 32 right now. Fantastic. I had him at 34. I'll probably have him around 32 going forward. I agree. In terms of Crowell, it, to the extent people were giving you any sort of feedback on Crowell, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, yes, he got the two touchdowns. He is not a—I mean, he's a fine running back, but he's a guy. It doesn't matter. He's not a particularly good talent. Uh, I'm not excited about him for fantasy going forward. I 
pro- I don't really know. I, I agree with you. I do not think that the Jets running backs really matter. I would probably rather have Powell, to be honest, if, if I had to choose one. But neither guy uh, I'm going to really be targeting. So sorry on behalf of, uh, you know, the, the Jets fans or whatever, <laughs> if you got any feedback on that, because he is certainly not uh, a particularly good talent. And I do not think will be a particularly uh, exciting fantasy asset this year. All right, let's move on to today's games. We've touched on this one already, but the most exciting game of the day, Saints 43, Falcons 37. As I said earlier, if you had a player in this game, you are happy. And obviously, Alvin Kamara, 15 receptions on 20 targets for 125 yards. I mean, that you mentioned the loss of Deion Jones and Keanu Neal. They are the guys who really uh, are the ones who have, for the most part, guarded pass-catching backs. In the past, they have always struggled, the Falcons, against pass-catching backs. So it was a perfect storm for him. Michael Thomas, all 10 of his targets for 129 yards. Uh, you know, really. And we've talked about Calvin Ridley. Matt Ryan had a great game. Julio Jones doesn't find the end zone, but five of six targets for 96. Anything else you want to say about this game, Tags? Uh, no, I mean, not too much. I don't know what the record is for running back targets in a game, but Alvin Kamara had 20 targets in this game. That has to be close to a record. Like, I, I don't know if I, I'm going to look that up at some point because that's just a number that I don't think I'd ever I – I don't even think I ever thought I would see that number. Um, but that's crazy. Alvin Kamara is going to be using the pass game, obviously. It's good to see Cameron Meredith get on the field. I know he only caught one pass for a touchdown, uh, but it's good to see him back on the field. The Saints offense, I'm really curious to see uh, what they do with Traquan Smith. They said they wanted to get him more playing time, but obviously Meredith back, that's going to hurt. You know, they have Mark Ingram coming back after next week, and uh, there's just a whole lot of things. Like, this offense can do so many things. It's just a shame that their defense is playing like absolute garbage. Yeah, you know, given the defense, by the way, where are you going to have Breeze going forward? 39 of 49, 397 yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown just to put a cherry on top of it. I mean, is he your number three, number two going forward? Where you got him? So Breeze, like as of right now, it's um, I have him at number one, <laughs> but uh, that's what I have him right now just because it's like I, the state of that defense is just so bad. Um, that it's hard not to think that Drew Brees, and that's the thing is I, I talked about it. Brees was always going to have positive regression in the touchdown category. Like last year was kind of a fluke in, in the fact that his touchdowns were down. Everything across the board was up. Uh, his completion percentage, his yards per attempt, his average depth of target was in line with his usual career numbers. They added pass catching options this year. And if he went, there was like one year where he had less than 615 pass attempts. So it's like, it was kind of an outlier. So to see Brees like balling out, I don't see that stopping anytime soon, and I don't think there's a quarterback that you can confidently say week in, week out is going to have those types of performances, including Aaron Rodgers, because Rodgers is just being he's banged up. It's it's I don't know, man, uh, this Packers team. I, I don't know why they didn't just sit him to begin with, but um, I don't know if he gets better. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm concerned about him. I, I almost feel like I would have rather him sat out for a while, you know, for a few weeks, at least unless it would have been months and then I guess not but I mean he can't he he somehow still runs you know or limps for first downs and and scrambles away and he's better than most and he still had a a solid fantasy day he can't be your number one going forward uh, at least in my opinion I have no problem with Breeze being there I haven't done my rankings yet but he's certainly going to be one of the contenders Uh, Chiefs 38 49ers 27 we talked you know quite a bit about Jimmy Garoppolo we know what happened the impact on the 49ers offense and we've talked a lot about the Chiefs um, in terms of Patrick Mahomes and everything he's doing, Kareem Hunt obviously gets doesn't look particularly good, but does find the end zone twice. Tariq Hill has his first not dominant game, essentially, with Pat Mahomes, which is fine. But I really want to touch on Sammy Watkins. This year, he's got 20 targets in the three games, plus three rushing attempts. You had him 34th coming into this game. What do you think going forward? Borderline wide receiver two or what? 
No, I'm not going to put him that high. I actually put him right in that, like, teetering on that wide receiver 30 mark. Um, I still think it's going to be a little bit up and down. Again, th- th- there's going to be some natural regression in this passing attack. Like, because, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is not going to set the all-time touchdown record. Like, I'm just going to say that now. Um, I know I don't know if that's considered a hot take at this point. It might be. Um, I hope not. But, I mean, if he averages two touchdowns every game for the rest of the season, that that, that would still be considered phenomenal. And, um, obviously, those are going to start going to, like, Kelsey didn't catch any this week. Tyreek Hill didn't catch any this week. Kareem Hunt hasn't been used in the passing game. I think that's like the biggest takeaway from this game for me is again, I mean, one target. I mean, what has he caught two balls throughout the entire season so far? That that's a problem. They're involving Chris Conley. Uh, obviously, Demetrius Harris, the backup tight end, got a touchdown this week. Damian Williams is being involved. Spencer Ware got involved in the passing game today. So, I mean, they're spreading the ball everywhere. And I I think I heard a stat that it was eight or nine different Chiefs pass catchers have caught a touchdown this year. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be very sporadic. And I do like the way they're using Sammy Watkins. They're lining him up in the slot around 40% of the time, and that's obviously ideal for his fantasy value. But I do think that he might be teetering on the high point of his value considering we know what Tyreek Hill is. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And frankly, I had him lower than 34th coming into the game. Um, I I desperately want to move him higher. I love his talent, and I it does. I'm very encouraged by the fact that there really seems to be a concerted effort to get him involved one way or another. I mean, the fact that, honestly, the fact that he has three rushing attempts, I, I really like that because I feel like I really feel like they're just like, no, we have to get the ball into this guy's hand. And so I, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do it going forward. And again, you made a good point. Yeah, today, Chris Conley had a touchdown. Um, so, you know, they, they're really spreading the ball around. But, you know, at this point, I agree. I think that he's going to fall outside of the wide receiver two range, but I'm trying desperately in my mind to sort of get him up there and, and see what I can do to push him into that range. But it's a good point about uh, Pat Mahomes spreading the ball around and there being a lot of different pass catchers. Dolphins 28, Raiders 20. Dolphins are looking pretty good, but Kenyon Drake, five rushes for three yards and two catches for seven yards, just one of those games or anything to be concerned about? I am so ticked at Adam Gase. Kenyon Drake is by far the best talent on this team but he's not being played like it right now, so it's it's difficult to trust him. Ryan Tannehill threw three touchdowns today. I think this comes down – the reason Miami won this game is because Derek Carr is not good. I, and I've had Raider fans tell me that he should have been the MVP a couple years ago. I don't really care. Like, I'm telling you, I've seen Derek Carr, and he's so inconsistent, and he's – like, he threw a couple interceptions in this game. Derek Carr is just – man he just hasn't been very good um and again I didn't watch this whole game so I'm not gonna sit here and comment but I did see the interceptions and Derek Carr is just a very he's just continually inconsistent they've now led in uh is it two of the three games or I think they may have led it all three games at halftime I want to say the the Raiders and they've lost all three games and Miami their defense has stepped up Rashad Jones their their stud safety was out today so I figured their defense would take a step back but obviously it didn't matter so I don't know man Kenyon Drake I that offensive line's terrible, so, I mean, it's not like he was going to run for a lot, but I always thought at least he'll be using the passing game somewhat. And no, they're giving Jakeem Grant stuff, like they're creating trick plays to get him the ball in space, and there's really no reason not to because he's performing on the stuff they're giving him. So, I don't know, man. It's just really tough. Kenyon Drake's a good talent, but he's just not being used in this offense. Yeah, it makes no sense, frankly, and I think the biggest thing to worry about is the fact that they're 3-0. And so, right, what what is the impetus to make a change? You know, they're not involving Kenyon Drake as much as I think everybody thinks that they should. But who cares? Because they're winning. But I, look, in the end, you know, talent is not the only thing uh, that uh, makes a successful fantasy football player, at least. Right. You obviously have to be in the right situation and everything like that. But in the end, I like to believe that talent is going to win out. And I think eventually Drake will get involved. So, I mean, obviously, if you want to you can't sell him. 
because at this point you'd be selling so low. And I just think you just need to hope that eventually Adam Gase kind of wakes up. But again, you if you see the final score and you didn't watch the game, you'd say, great, they scored 28 points and, you know, they, they won by eight. I'm sure Kenyon Drake had either one of the touchdowns or had a big game, but no, he was barely involved. It really, it, it's it's mind-boggling. Hold on, real quick, who would you rather have at this point right now? Sony Michelle, and we obviously haven't seen the Sunday night game. Sony Michelle or Kenyon Drake? Um, well, people are going to be listening to this on Monday morning. So if Sony Michelle went nuts, then Sony Michelle, and if not, Kenyon Drake. <laughs> no, um, I, I think honestly, for me, I'm still with Kenyon Drake. I mean, I haven't seen it from Michelle, so I had them fairly far apart coming in. So I, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I don't know. We both had him as a top 15 back. I, I highly doubt he's going to fall much farther than 20 for me. Because, again, you get into that range, yeah, I just don't really like anybody. So, for me, I'd hold Drake. What about you? Are you putting Michelle over Drake without seeing the game? No. So, I have Michelle two spots lower. I actually lowered Drake down to 21. I actually have him behind Le'Veon Bell. Now, the, we didn't talk about this, but Le'Veon Bell, the rumors are that the Steelers are listening to trade offers now for Le'Veon Bell. And it doesn't surprise me, but I went through every NFL roster trying to figure out where the best fit is. And I think Tampa Bay is the only one that I can come up with that actually kind of makes sense in terms of because you need a, you need a team that is built to contend this year. I, I don't think the Bucks are, but they might um, after the start that they've had. Um, like you need a team because it's a rent a player. He's on a one year deal. It's a franchise tag. So it's like, you're, you're taking him on hoping that you can get a, a deal done for future years, but there's no guarantee of that. Would you take, if you had Kenyon Drake, would you accept Le'Veon Bell for him today? Ooh, uh, I don't know for sure. Um, I think no, I, you know, in the end, I, I, I feel like there are a lot of barriers. Uh, okay. I think we can, you and I probably both agree. If Bell does not get traded, he's not coming back till week 10, right? there really is no reason for him to do so. That means that basically I'd have, certainly if I knew that that was the case, I wouldn't trade Drake for him. And that means that I'd be relying on a trade. And in the end, a trade just seems really far-fetched. Again, you basically pointed the Bucks were the first team that sort of came to mind, but I feel like the market's really limited. So I'm assuming he's going to stick with the Steelers and he's going to get back in week 10. And who knows, by the way, what they're going to do. What if they're basically out of it and they, they really don't care? You know, they might, or I don't know what they would do. In the end, I think I'd hold Drake. What about you? Would you make that trade? Yeah, I have Le'Veon. I put him right over him. I guess it depends on my team. Like if I'm 3-0 and in fantasy, of course I'm doing that trade. Uh, if I'm 0-3, I probably can't afford to do it because you need bodies in your lineup. So it really depends uh, on your on your lineup, but in a general sense, I, I think I would take Le'Veon. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. It's really close one way or another, especially with all this trade stuff, which I'm sure you and Bobby will talk about this week as hopefully we get a little more information. Keeping going with the game, Kenny Stills, obviously three for five for 61 yards and a touchdown. Again, you know, uh, he's going to be kind of a boomer bust guy. I like him a little more than you do going forward. He's going to have these games. He's going to be shut out some games. He's going to be fine. A little maddening in a format, obviously, like head to head, but, you know, it's going to be fine. On the Raiders side of the ball, you talked about the big takeaway is that Derek Carr is not good, and we talked about Amari Cooper. I mean, you taking anything from Jordy's big game, six of eight for 173 yards in the score? <laughs> it's like it's like uh, Miami just said, we're not worried about Jordy Nelson. We're just going to let him run. And then they had a linebacker chasing him down the field, and the linebacker actually caught him. So that was fun. I mean, if, you were, if you're in a league with me, you could see my transaction. I don't remember what league it was, but I had Jordy Nelson on my bench, and uh, I cut him this week obviously it sucks to see this type of game but I felt like I'm never going to be convinced that he's like a player and I'm still not like even after this performance it's just it's one game uh we saw out of Amari Cooper I know Amari Cooper is the more talented receiver so if I can't trust Amari Cooper on a weekly basis why am I going to trust Jordy Nelson so yeah I'm 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 still not in on Jordy Nelson yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think we had both had him. I think we both had him 61st coming into this week. This game, I, I hate to say it and probably going to get some bad feedback on this, but this game really 
barely moves the needle for me at all. I, I completely agree with sort of your take on it. I mean, he was wide open and just running down the field on two early plays. It really, it just seems like they said, we're taking Amari Cooper out of this game. We're not really concerned about Jordy Nelson. Um, I agree. He, I mean, it, obviously, this is going to be his best game of the season, or almost as short, certainly. Yeah, I mean, if not, I don't want. I don't ever like to speak in absolutes because then if he somehow is a two hundred yard game, everybody's going to be like, "What? Uh, remember when you said that?" But anyway, um, yeah, again, I agree. I, I don't think he's going to be a guy you're going to want to start almost ever. So uh, for me, I, I'm fine leaving him on the waiver wire. Um, but if he's available, whatever, in a deeper league, I'm fine with that. So before we keep going, tags, I want to take some time to talk about our next sponsor, Tommy John. Tired of not having enough support down below from your underwear or frequently having to readjust? Well, when it comes to comfort down below, there's underwear. There's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including me. To put it simply, Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three Fs, fabric, fit, and function. Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you've ever worn before. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear support a no-wedgie guarantee, comfortable stay-put waistbands, and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft, feather-light, moisture-wicking, breathable, and designed to move with you, not against you. That means there's no bunching and no riding up. Tommy John's so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. That includes their new life-changing women's underwear that sold out in just six weeks and is now fully back in stock. Give three Fs about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John today. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash FantasyPros for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash FantasyPros for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash FantasyPros. All right, Tags, Bills 27, Vikings 6 because football. I mean, do you want to just throw out this entire game? Is there any takeaway that you can have from this game? Kirk Cousins um, didn't look so good. Um, he put in, and the thing is, is a lot of people put this on the Vikings defense and say it was on them. Uh, no, Kirk Cousins continually put them in bad situations. He fumbled, I think, I mean, he lost, I think two fumbles in this game. And there was like, I think he, he fumbled like three or four times. Uh, it was, I watched that game, most of it. And then I got just sick of it because I was like, I had the Vikings in my survivor pool. So I didn't think that the bills were going to score a point. Kirk Cousins obviously made that possible the other way. Cousins just looked bad. Like he looked terrible. And it's not just the the fumbles either. It was him continually checking down when they're down 27 points. Like he, I, I would wonder what his average depth of target was today. I kid you not. I don't, it, it, let me see. CJ Ham six targets, Latavius Murray, seven targets. And they were like legitimately like a yard from the line of scrimmage. Like it was terrible. He was, he was really bad. The offensive line isn't blocking for him. And this is something he never had to deal with really in Washington because they had a better offensive line. So cousins is starting to face adversity and he did not step up to it. Well today, uh, he, he was bad. Yeah, no, he was terrible. And I agree every time I wasn't watching it that closely, but every time I was looking at the score, it was cousins, three yard pass cousins, four yard pass. I mean, I don't know if they didn't have time, but look for me, I just have to assume somehow that they just looked completely past this game as sometimes happens and that they just didn't prep for it and they weren't ready. And I'm willing to throw it out. I mean, cousins has been great in the first two games. I'm willing just to kind of throw it out. Doesn't really move the needle for me on his outlook rest of the season um, for the bills. Look, Josh Allen obviously scored three touchdowns, but he's obviously not relevant in anything, but deep two quarterback leagues outside of LaShawn McCoy. Is anybody on the bills relevant for fantasy? No, I don't think so. Uh, um, Jason Kroom, I wrote in the, uh, so Jason Kroom is the one who caught the only touchdown that he threw today. And uh, I wrote in the primer this week that Kroom actually coming into this game had two more targets than Charles Clay. So um, it's somebody was like, I was watching this game. I had my brother-in-law over and uh, he was like, who the heck is that? And I was like, Oh, he's the backup tight end that has more targets than than Charles Clay. He's like, this is why I talk to you. It's it's really a mess. I mean, this 
obviously, I don't think the Bills... Do they score 27 points again this season? I don't think so. I mean, if you combine the rest of their point totals for the rest of their games, then probably. But I think in any one game, no. I shouldn't pick on the Bills fans. I'm sorry, Bills fans. Please like negate this enjoy enjoy your win because seriously like you're it's, it's not going to happen too often so enjoy this one i'm not going to rag on it it was a, it was a, like josh allen played perfectly like perfectly the way he should have there was no turnovers on his part he played good he did fumble three times but they didn't they didn't lose any of them uh so i mean it, it was what it was and this is a game to just kind of like okay it's one week we're gonna move on yeah, no, I agree. Very little to take from it. But again, congratulations to uh, Buffalo fans. They are hardcore. I'm sure they were not expecting a win. So uh, good to see. Eagles 20, Colts 16. Now, JJ was inactive for the game. I think everybody thought Corey Clement would be the guy. And he did see 16 carries. He had 56 yards and another three catches for 19. But Wendell Smallwood, 10 for 56 and a score, plus three for 35 through the air. I mean, we know Doug Peterson wants to rotate backs. Assuming JJ, let's say, doesn't play next week, how do you think you're going to, I mean, is Smallwood going to be somebody that fantasy owners can rely on as a possible flex play? I don't, I don't want to, um, <laughs> even with Clement this week, I didn't want to trust him so much just because like him popping up in the injury report was always a scary sign for me. Uh, Josh Adams, I thought would get the goal line carries. I knew Wendell Smallwood would be involved because he was last week. I mean, when Jay Ajayi was down, Smallwood played over 20 snaps. So Doug Peterson runs a timeshare and none of these running backs are special enough to where he should change that. <laughs> um, I actually said the Eagles, I guess would be a team that I would say that could use someone like Le'Veon Bell, but they won't considering they obviously traded for Jay Ajayi and the way that Peterson runs his offense but I think Le'Veon Bell could fill every single role that they wanted him to but yeah I I it's it's a mess and it's it's not something you want to rely on but if you feel like if you're in a pinch and like let's say you had some injuries because there was a whole bunch of injuries this week uh, and you needed to pick someone off, off the waiver wire I think Wendell Smallwood or Corey Clement or you know one of these guys could have like, been a fill-in player but outside that not too much I think on the other side of the ball though I think Naheem Hines is is turning into more than just a guy uh, and I'm not saying like talent from a talent standpoint I mean from like a usability like uh they obviously can't run the ball right now behind that offensive line and Naheem Hines led this team in snaps 43 to 17 over Jordan Wilkins Hines has been the leader in snaps over the first two games as well uh, he's becoming the primary passing down option. Chester Rogers isn't very good out of the slot. I don't like him as a player. With Eric, with Jack Doyle dinged up, with Eric Ebron not stepping up as the number one tight end, and I'm putting that in quotes. I don't know. There's just limited passing options, and I think Naheem Hines is turning into maybe someone that like Gio Bernard used to be, where he's going to catch you know four to six passes a week. He'll he'll add in you know a few carries here and there. But I mean, in PPR leagues, I feel like he can be like an RB four. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm willing to buy that. I mean, do you think though, that when Marlon Mack is healthy and plays that Hines is still going to have the same usage? He still had a lot of snaps when, when, when Mack played in week two. Now the thing is, is, is Mack was coming back from the hamstring injury. I don't know if it was just like they limited his workload, but I mean, Marlon Mack has basically shown, he, he has not shown the ability to handle a bigger workload. And Jordan Wilkins is just a guy right now. Like he just doesn't look like anything more than just a depth chart guy. And they obviously had a clear role for Hines who had a terrible, like legit terrible preseason, but they've still given him so many snaps because I think they need him. Yeah, no, I think that that's fair. I mean, I, I, I you know, the first game that Mac played the only game that Mac played, um, I was kind of, I think they wanted to limit him. So I, I wasn't really looking to, to read into anything like that. I mean, I'm not, if Jack Doyle is healthy and Marlon Mack is there, I'm not sure I see a big role for Hines. But I, I mean, at this point, if you're talking RB4 range, yeah, uh, you know, something like that, I think I could buy. But I, I don't really think I'm willing to go higher than that. Maybe in, in PPR formats where he's going to be involved in the passing game. He had five catches today, only 25 yards. But I, I guess I could see that. But did you see the final play of that game? 
Oh, yes. And that was something that I was going to ask you about. Go ahead. You can start talking about it. So <laughs> the Colts pulled Andrew Luck for the Hail Mary. Basically, they needed a Hail Mary from like around midfield. And um, they pulled Andrew Luck and put in Jacoby Brissett to throw it. So that was basically the moment where they just said Andrew Luck is not capable of doing what he used to do. Like it legitimate. That's there's no getting around that. None. Like, and that's why Andrew Luck, he averaged 4.1 yards per attempt today. It's, I think this literally is going to hurt him going forward. I don't think teams are going to respect his deep ball. Yeah. I mean, I, I was pretty shocked by that. And now t- they were on their own 38, right? So they were a little deeper than I think I thought they were when I originally saw the play. But still, man, you get pulled for a Hail Mary because you can do it with Jacoby Brissett. Brett Jacoby Brissett exactly I mean really that is saying something and you know we've all been waiting we've been waiting to see it happen and you know it's funny Tex I I was watching the last play of that game and I just I wasn't watching it closely right because I just had it up on the screen and I was I was looking at my computer and I thought it was luck because I didn't see it and I legitimately was like oh good I can talk about the fact that he bombed the ball because he got it to the end zone and then I was like oh god it's Brissett after that so I agree I mean I, I don't really know what it does for me in my rest of season QB rankings with luck. I mean, but I definitely think that it, it's telling that I, I he's not going to be slinging it anytime soon, which obviously, you know, dink and dunk. It's he's still relatively effective. He wasn't great today, but it does. Certainly it's something to keep in mind going forward. So that was a really good point. Um, Redskins 31 Packers 17 uh, with the Redskins. Talk to me about Chris Thompson tags. We talked about him last week. You finally sounded like you were buying in. I think you moved him into a low end RB two against sort of every, every instinct that you had. And then he does absolutely nothing. Six carries for 17 yards, one catch for no yards. So, I mean, is he a game script dependent back at this point? It's so tough, man, because like I, it was like the whole Jamison Crowder thing. People have been asking me, do I drop Jamison Crowder? And I'm like, I don't want to. Like, it's hard to to back up Jamison Crowder based on how he played over the first couple of weeks. But he was playing through a groin injury. And like we saw last year when he was playing through an injury and he like literally he was bad and people were dropping him. And then he like once he was healthy, he played fantastic. And I thought he fit Alex Smith's skill set much better than Josh Doxson or Paul Richardson. And I think that that's still the case. But Chris Thompson was also filling that role and it was like Jordan Reed's over in the intermediate area of the field. So it's like, which one of these guys do I want to trust? I mean, Vernon Davis is getting targets. I just, it's so difficult to trust these guys week in, week out. I think you have to play it with game script. And I tried doing that last week. You know, I I had Peterson ranked as an RB one last week. And what does he do? He, you know, 10 carries for like 20 some yards. That was terrible. Then this week, it's like, okay, they're going against Green Bay. Green Bay is like, you know, they're not the same Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers isn't full Aaron Rodgers, but the game script should probably favor someone like Chris Thompson a little bit more. And I kind of flip-flopped it. And I was like, I'll play Chris Thompson over Adrian Peterson. And Adrian Peterson goes for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. (sighs) I think Adrian Peterson, I think there's a pretty easy formula with him. And I think it's just... Sell. (laughs) Well, sell, yes. But I think in the end, what happens with him is... It's about the number of touches he gets the week before. This is my new theory, okay? Totally rested coming into the season. Week one against Arizona. Looks good, but he gets 28 touches. The next week, he only has a few, you know, he's an older back. Against the Colts, pretty decent matchup. Does absolutely nothing, but he's limited to 14 touches. This week, he's refreshed. He's ready to go. 19 touches, 120 yards, two touchdowns. He's got a bye next week. Then he's got the Saints coming up in week five. I love it. He's going to be great. I agree. Peterson is a sell-high candidate, but I do think, frankly, I mean, literally, I'm going to start looking into this uh, this week to see what he does at this point in his career when he's given some rest because uh, 
He looked good today. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from him. He he looked good. Is it a sell high time for Adrian Peterson? Because look, listen to this. So you just said that a bye week. He's got a bye week this week, and then after that, he plays the Saints. And the Saints, it sounds great and all, but the Saints over the last two weeks to the Browns and the Falcons run games, which have been pretty good outside of their games. Um, they've totaled 38 carries. 87 rushing yards combined. And that's a good stat. I mean, look, in the end, I think the bigger problem with Peterson would probably be that they're probably going to have to put up a ton of points to to roll with the Saints. And I'm going to play Chris Thompson in DFS, and I'm probably going to I'm going to be like cursing Adrian Peterson's name, probably. Yeah, exactly. Chris Thompson's going to be the bane of your existence. <laughs> I think this entire season. I think that's the big takeaway from it. Um, on the Packers side of the ball, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Aaron Rodgers, you and I are both concerned about moving him out of number one. We've talked about Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Uh, Panthers 31, Bengals 21. Look, obviously we're all really, really disappointed because Christian McCaffrey only had two catches for 10 yards. So we're really, now 28 rushes for 184 yards. The Bengals run defense was allowing three yards per carry coming in. He played a hundred percent of the snaps. I mean, we love Christian McCaffrey. Is there anything else you want to talk about with him? Christian McCaffrey, 28 carries, 184. We might find him in an alley somewhere after this game. Like, I don't know if he exists after this. He may have just disintegrated and just faded into oblivion. I don't know, but seriously, 28 carries, 184 yards. He did not have a single 100-yard uh, rushing game before this game. So to see him rack up 28 carries, I think that's crazy. I'm not relying on this happening all, every single week. And honestly, like, I mean, I'm, I'm also not relying him ever seeing two targets ever again. Like, that's never going to be that low either. So uh, I don't want to overreact one way or the other, but I do want to say that he still didn't score a touchdown on those 28 carries and Cam Newton scored two. So And CJ Anderson, don't forget, he got a he got a touchdown too. He did. He scored a receiving touchdown. It was a screen. It was like they faked it to McCaffrey one way and then threw back across the other side of the field to Anderson. It was a neat play design and CJ Anderson made it work. So uh, that's that's fun. CJ Anderson ended up with uh, 14 more receiving yards than Christian McCaffrey did in this game. <laughs> just like we all expected it was pretty much opposite day going yeah. on over there with that uh, team how about on the other side of the ball what about Tyler Boyd another big game six of seven for 132 in a score tags you had him real low coming into the week I don't know if he's the Quincy and Nunwa fell through the cracks he had him 78th are you moving him way up at this point I definitely did move him up um he was someone that it was just like okay I mean I see the one game but I moved him up to number 53 now um so I'm I'm definitely paying attention uh and it has more to do with John Ross and just not being confident playing right now like John Ross looks lost he just looks like he's someone that lost all of his confidence. He did see seven targets in this game, amounted to nothing. Uh, but Tyler Boyd has been producing with his targets. And, I mean, it all comes down to A.J. Green, right? Because if A.J. Green is really hurt uh, because he left this game with a groin injury, they're calling it, he almost left earlier on because his he he, caught, he went to go catch a ball in the end zone and his knee came down so awkwardly and it stuck in the turf and it, like, popped his hip back. And I thought it was going to be a hip injury. So maybe it was something that stemmed from that play. Uh, I don't know because I was watching that one. and. Um, I don't know, because if Green's out, Tyler Boyd can't be like the guy, but he's going to get targeted. So um, it's definitely something to pay attention to going forward. But John Ross, he's droppable at this point. Yeah, I completely agree. If I had Boyd, uh, I think 54th coming into the game, so he's going to be moving up for me. My guess is he'll still stick in the, uh, you know, maybe mid-level, maybe low-end wide receiver four. I'm not really ready to fully trust him, obviously, but I do think he's interesting. and He should be on regardless of Green's injury, and obviously we'll know more about that as the week goes on. Uh, moving on to, uh, I mean, the Titans nine, Jaguars six. I mean, legitimately, is there anything you want to say about this game other than please don't ever make me watch it again? Garbage. Um, and I, you know, there's there's people saying to start Blake Bortles because Leonard Fournette is inactive, and 
I, I kind of warned against it because Bortles really sucked against Tennessee last year. And this is a defense that, I mean, they didn't change too, too much. Their secondary is still, there's a lot of the same pieces back there. They added Malcolm Butler, as a matter of fact. So ugly game, man, ugly game. I have no idea how they're two and one with this quarterback play that they've had. The defense hasn't even, I wouldn't say the defense has been stellar either, but they're pulling out these wins uh, somehow. I mean, what do you do with Derrick Henry? I think people would probably want to ask that question. And me, me personally, I'm torn with it too. Do you do you sell and just try and hope to get something hope, like some like maybe someone in your league thinks they're buying low and you know or do you look to buy Derrick Henry and say if someone's willing to give up on him and they're not even going to start him anymore I'll take him I, I mean I think in the end it depends on what the price point is I think if there are people willing to buy low and I'll be honest I don't know anybody in my league who's willing to to buy low on him people seem done with him which is fine if so then I think obviously you have to hold I I certainly wouldn't be targeting him I mean coming into this game overall I mean Deion Lewis had a two to one advantage in snaps. And when they were trailing, he was out touching Henry three to one. And even when they were leading, they were basically splitting at 50 50 today, at least, you know, Henry had 18 carries for 57 yards. That's at least, you know, the usage is at least productive, but in the end, I don't know, man, especially with the quarterback play. I mean, forget about it. I have no idea. I mean, Mariota looks like he can barely throw. All you hear is he's got nerve issues. He can't grip the ball. I mean, I don't see how you can rely on him. If somebody is willing to give you something, I'm more than willing to take the chance. I'm saying, well, oh man, Henry wound up having a really good season. I guess I shouldn't have sold low, but I'm willing to take that chance. But you know, I highly doubt that anybody's willing to offer anything at this point that even makes it worthwhile yeah that's fair and uh, by the way Corey grant started this game for the jags and everybody that wanted that <laughs> I, I i keep telling people that i'm like stop comparing a backup running back and what he did in his yards per carry and all that stuff to the starter it just doesn't work so Corey grant got the start he finished with what seven touches for 10 yards not great yeah no not great yeldon contributes a little bit seven for 44 plus six catches for 45 but you know it's pretty much you're if you own somebody in this game you're not happy at this point um ravens 27 broncos 14 tags what are you doing at this point for with buck allen i mean he didn't look particularly good he didn't have particularly good numbers but he finds the end zone twice i mean are you willing to start him as a flex play most weeks i actually come out with an article uh that comes out every saturday morning and it's called weekend waiver wire stashes and uh calvin ridley was on it this week because i was like you know he has a really good chance to perform this week i felt the matchup was great and then like going into the next week i basically look forward a week and say these players might have a good game you probably want to stick them on your bench before they come cool to do so and i also look at next week's matchups to like okay who could you use as a spot start like as a streamer and buck allen was in that article uh this past weekend because they're going to be playing in pittsburgh next week and uh buck allen i actually think it was two touch he scored two touchdowns against them last year in a game or it was one touchdown and alex collins had a touchdown but as we know ben roethlisberger at home scores points that Steelers team is going to put up points on the board and if this this baltimore team is trailing that's when you're going to see buck allen used a lot more so i do feel like next week is a week that you're going to be able to use buck allen and expect at least flex numbers out of him, if not more. So it just depends on the matchup. Uh, but he's definitely going to be a piece of this offense. Once Kenneth Dixon returns, I think it's going to be a mess trying to predict any of these guys. Anymore. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Allen is, you know, I don't love the talent, but I love the situation. And they trust him and they like him around the goal line. Collins did score a touchdown today, which is obviously a good sign considering that's what everybody's really worried about. But I agree. I think especially next week in what they'll should, they should need points you're probably going to be able to play Allen as a flex. On the other side of the ball, obviously, uh, Philip Lindsay gets ejected, I think, for throwing a punch. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he threw a punch, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, Freeman, decent game, 13 for 53 and a touchdown. Are you, even though, obviously, Lindsay was out, are you encouraged by Freeman's performance, or it doesn't really matter? 
I felt like they kept each other's upside. And I, I talked about that in the podcast this week, um, saying that Philip Lindsay, like he does look good and it seems like they're really going to use him, but Royce Freeman's not going to go away. He's going to be part of a timeshare and he's going to get the goal line work because he's been phenomenal in that role. There's no reason that you'd take it from him. And he kind of picked up where he left off. Uh, so Royce Freeman, I mean, I would love to hear if the Broncos are going to do anything, but I mean, I, I don't know if we could listen to it anyways, because it might be all just coach speak, but yeah, it's going to be a timeshare uh, going forward. I have Royce Freeman a couple spots higher. I don't feel strongly one way or the other. So if you told me that you had Lindsay higher, I wouldn't argue with you, uh, but I just think it's going to be somewhat of a timeshare all year. Yeah. I think I have Lindsay a couple of spots higher, but again, it's not a, a material difference at this point. Uh, you know, I, I like both of them sort of going forward. I think Freeman will have value, but I'm not overly excited about uh, any of them we talked about Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders gets a 35 yard rushing touchdown anything else from the Broncos side of the ball not really all right Giants 27 Texans 22 uh, Evan Ingram left with a knee injury I don't know if there's any word on the severity of it at the time that we're talking but uh, for now my understanding was it they didn't expect it to be serious but obviously who knows any takeaways other than Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. are exceptionally good at football <laughs> yeah, they're both good at football. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I had a lot of people asking me if they should drop him this week, and I was like, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, I, I still feel like – so Evan Ingram, it, there is a little concern for me because I was trying to look into this a little more, and I there's a doctor that was talking about it and said basically when he went into the tent, he was ruled out like almost immediately after. So he said with the way that the knee was hit, you definitely have to worry about an MCL sprain which or a tear, um, if not an ACL. Because when they rule out a player, like sometimes it's difficult to tell with an MCL sprain how diff how bad it is until they do uh, like their MRI. But in terms of like how quickly they ruled him out, he said it could be an ACL because there may have been some looseness in the knee where they're really concerned about it. You know, we haven't heard too much about it uh, since then. They haven't released anything, but I'm worried about Ingram because of how fast he was ruled out of the game. Uh, but as for, you know, if he is out for some, some time, Sterling Shepard is going to be the one to see a lot of those targets over the middle of the field. Um, and I think we even saw it in this game. He saw seven targets, caught six of them for 80 yards and a touchdown. It's good to see Eli Manning have a decent game. That's basically where I'm at with this one. We needed to see him do something because when Eli gets in those funks, they they go on for time. But then when Eli gets into his streaks, you can kind of ride that rhythm. Um, it's only one game, so I'm not going to say it's, it's a streak. But he completed 25 of 29 passes against that Houston pass rush for two touchdowns. Didn't throw a single interception. He did take four sacks. I didn't get to see much of this game. I saw parts of it. They did bench Eric Flowers, which I don't know if that, that I mean, it seems like it turned out well with Eli Manning, the way he threw the ball. So 10.2 uh, yards per attempt. Almost 300 yards passing. It was a good game for him. He looked good. He, he looked very competent, especially after the, fat, the first two weeks where uh, we were really getting worried about it. So if he looks like that and if he gets into a groove, it's just, you know, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. So everybody on the Giants offense should be better. On the other side of the ball, Deshaun Watson continues to sort of not play well from a real-life perspective but put up decent fantasy numbers. And you can talk about it if you want. But Will Fuller, I mean, in his last six games with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, he has nine touchdowns. And you had him at 40 coming in. Please tell me he's wide receiver three at least going forward oh I did I did I definitely did um I actually had him ranked as a top 20 wide receiver play this week Eli Apple was out for the Giants he's their starting corner that was going to go against him so they had BW Webb going to defend him and that was never going to end well um and I moved Will Fuller up in my seasonal rankings to number 25 um just because it seems like him and Deshaun Watson do have a connection and the reason I was willing to move him that high was because Deshaun Watson hasn't even looked great the last two weeks but obviously even when he didn't look great Will Fuller's putting up numbers 
and that matters. Like DeAndre Hopkins is the one suffering, obviously, but uh, Will Fuller, the, the matchup was great. He made the most of it. And again, he's falling in that area of the receivers where I put him at 25, where it's like, these are guys that I'm not, they're not going to perform every single week, but you'll take the, the ups of Will Fuller like more than like more often than you will the downs no i agree i look he shows a real connection with it and originally you know last year i wasn't really willing to buy in at first because he didn't wasn't really getting the targets you know he was just scoring a touchdown every time he caught the ball which wasn't sustainable but now he's getting the targets he had 11 targets today five catches for 101 yards i agree i mean i think probably borderline wide receiver two like you said is almost exactly where i'm gonna have him anything else on the houston side of the ball before we move on Lamar Miller is not playing very well, and um, he's going to lose his job at some point. I, I mean, Deontay Foreman's probably going to come back after the. Uh, he's out for the first six weeks with the pup list thing. Uh, but Alfred Blue has been doing much better with his touches. I wouldn't be surprised if they started moving more towards a timeshare. Yeah, I mean, ten yards on ten carries, and he lost a fumble. He does find the end zone through the air, and he has thirty-one yards receiving. But I agree, not playing particularly well. And if you can sell Lamar Miller, I. I kind of assume this is what you're implying and I would agree with this that if you can sell Lamar Miller based on the fact that he scored a touchdown based on the fact that he's been okay so far um, I would do it if I can get anything of comparable draft day value uh, Rams 35 Chargers 23 I mean the Rams are just a well-oiled machine on offense but who's your favorite Rams wide receiver going forward all three of them did great today I mean, Cooks is still my favorite because uh, he offers the game-breaking potential, and obviously his target floor has been intact. He hasn't seen less than eight targets in a game yet. That's obviously good. Robert Woods, I've been forced to move him up a bunch. I moved him in my top 30 wide receivers for the rest of the season. 11 targets here. He catches 10 of them, two touchdowns, over 100 yards. Uh, coming into this game, he was leading the team in targets, but I didn't know if it was like a situational thing, but obviously not. This matchup wasn't like the greatest one against the Chargers. Their secondary isn't bad. Um, they're just not getting a pass rush, which is really killing them. They sacked Jared Goff just once today uh so yeah i mean robert woods i think all three of these receivers and it was something that before the season i had trouble like thinking that all three of them could be fantasy relevant but here's the reason that they're able to do it so todd Gurley is being used in the passing game but it's not alvin Kamara style usage like he's getting like you know four to, to six targets a game but they're not targeting the tight end at all they're not targeting the the, the second tier wide receivers like these three and Gurley see all the targets so if they're throwing the ball 35 times per game, there's plenty of room for production for all three of them. I like them all. Uh, if I had to say an order, I'd say it's Cooks, Cup, and Woods. But, I mean, between Woods and Cup, I think you're just splitting hairs. I, I think I have Woods over Cup going forward, or at least I will when I do my updated rankings. Cooks is the clear number one for me. I mean, Cooks looks great. He really does. He almost had a, t he had a touchdown reversed, actually, right at the beginning of the game. So certainly it could have been a, a monstrous day. Woods, though, I agree. I, I sort of have to fight myself for whatever reason I don't want to move Robert Woods as high as he needs to be ranked, but I'm going to do it going forward. But I agree, Cup is a little bit in a different category for me. I mean, I like him. He's good, but, you know, I don't think he's getting the consistent, you know, targets or anything like that that the other guys are getting. So he's a little bit lower than me. But again, all three guys are certainly usable. On the other side of the ball, the Chargers, I mean, you know, Philip Rivers' history against Wade Phillips is, is not great, uh, but he looks good again today as he has most of the season, 18 for 30 for 226 yards and two touchdowns. But, I mean, Mike Williams, he has the big day, four for seven for 81 yards and two touchdowns what's your thoughts on him that dude is a man um like you know i, I we, we talked in the preseason and i i told bobby i said if you were to tell me that mike williams scores double digit touchdowns this year would i be shocked no I wouldn't have been because like he's that's the guy that they drafted him to be like so Antonio Gates is playing part time snaps he's splitting snaps with Virgil Green uh, I know he out targeted Green today um, that's like the first time this season that that's happened but Mike Williams is the one seeing the red zone targets they took advantage of that so Marcus Peters left this game early and then uh, Akeem Talib got dinged up later on so it's like they took advantage of the mismatch uh, with Mike Williams and 
the dude, even in double coverage, Rivers targeted him in the end zone, and there was one that he almost came down with um, that would have been a third touchdown. But, yeah, Mike Williams, he was on my buy list last week. I was like, I know he scored a touchdown, but I'm, I'm still willing to pay that price because – I think that he's moving into like every week's start material. Uh, I have him at number 39 wide receiver right now, and I still feel like I'm too low. Yeah, that's definitely higher than I do, but I'm, this is a week, obviously, where I'm going to take a, a very close look at him, especially, you're right, I mean, you know, Antonio Gates is not really relevant at this point. Tyrell Williams, only two catches for 22 yards. You know, Mike Williams is an extraordinary talent, um, and he does look like he's going to be gaining in this offense. So I agree, I'm going to be moving him up. My guess is I'm not going to have him quite as high as you. I'm still going to have him kind of a low-end wide receiver four is my guess, but he's a guy who certainly I'm going to have my eye on it and be looking to to uh, possibly acquire if I can, although it's going to be harder to do after this game. Bears 16, Cardinals 14. You heard it live. You heard Tag's reaction to the whole thing live. Do you just want to talk about it, buddy? Talk about your Bears. What do you want to, what do you want to get off your chest? Go ahead. The defense is good. The offense is not. Uh, I mean, that's that's all I can say. And like, there's a lot of people that are going to ask me about Trubisky and he's looked bad. There's been moments where he's shown like some things. There's some things that he does that can't be taught in terms of the way he rolls out and throws the ball moving to his left. That's some things like when he sets his feet and actually throws the ball with confidence, he plays well. But there's too many errant throws. There's too many times where it's like he's not getting his feet set. He's he just he's playing like someone who, who's lacking confidence and that's going to affect all the pass catchers. It's good to see Allen Robinson with seven targets, three catches, 50 yards and you know, a lot of people were talking about Patrick Peterson. So the move that Steve Wilkes, when he came to um, Arizona from Carolina, he said that they were not going to use Patrick Peterson to shadow. And that's been true to a certain extent. They are moving him side to side. So they were trying to match him up with Allen Robinson more often than not. Uh, but sometimes they didn't because they, they play a lot of zone defense now. And it's really the, the worst thing in the world for Allen, or for Patrick Peterson because he's a man corner that is really good at that. Uh, but Allen Robinson seeing seven targets is good. Anthony Miller got dinged up in this game multiple times. It's his shoulder or his elbow. They didn't really talk about it very much. But yeah, it's this Bears offense is going to be a little hit or miss. And to, to those, by the way, so Dan, would you please tell everybody that is thinking about dropping Trey Burton that they're kind of smoking crack? I don't know if anybody has, like, if you have Trey Burton and you've been starting him, I don't know if you've looked around at the tight end landscape. But there's not eight tight ends that I'd rather own than Trey Burton, even right now. Uh, so on behalf of Mike Teglier, if you think about dropping Trey Burton, you are, in fact, smoking crack. <laughs> no, I agree completely. I mean, Burton is great. I, You know, people get so it's hard not to overreact in the early part of the season, right? Especially if you're 0-2 or something like that coming to the week. No, Trey Burton is one of the few reliable tight ends that you are not dropping, that you are not just swapping in and out with waiver wire guys. He is 100% in every week start. You should not be dropping him in any league regardless. I mean, and today, look, he got four or five for 55 yards. There are going to be big weeks. He's playing good football 100%. There is no league where you should be dropping Trey Burton, honestly. Um, on the other side of the ball, Josh Rosen, obviously. I assume he's going to be the starter going forward, um, and I'm not sure necessarily what you think the impact's going to have on the Arizona offense. It certainly can't hurt, but let's talk about David Johnson. Obviously, he finally finds the end zone, catches all four of his targets for 30 yards in the touchdown, but he only 12 for 31 on the ground. I mean, how, what's your outlook on Johnson at this point? Yeah, he was never going to run for many yards behind this offensive line, um, especially with Bradford, a non-mobile quarterback. Basically, the defense doesn't have to account for Sam Bradford as a weapon. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could leave him, like, even if you don't get a pass rush on him, he's not going to run the ball. He just doesn't do that. Um, so David Johnson's always going to struggle on the ground. I wanted to see him used more in the receiving game. He only saw four targets in this game, so it wasn't like it was a whole lot. But they only they only threw 26 pass attempts the entire game. Uh, like, the Cardinals' play count has been so low. 
it's going to be really hard for David Johnson to get enough volume to be like fantasy, like elite, uh, even if his talent is there. But I, the situation's terrible. Um, Sam Bradford, one of his two touchdowns was Ricky Seals Jones left completely uncovered. Like it was just a missed assignment, uh, wide open, like there wasn't anybody within 15 yards of him. Sam Bradford, there's a reason he got benched. <laughs> he didn't look very good. Um, but Josh Rosen, it'll be something fresh for the offense. Maybe it gives them a little jolt, but they're playing against Seattle next week, and Seattle's defense has been better than people want to give them credit for. By the way, I was not watching this game closely. I see Larry Fitzgerald only had two targets and two catches. Was he in and out of the lineup with the injury, or was he just not getting targeted? I didn't see his final snap count. I'm gonna, I'll actually, you know what? I'm going to pull it up right now because I'm, I'm actually curious about it myself. But yeah, he was uh, on the field for 47 snaps. I didn't think I saw him leave for an extended period. Um, so he was on for 47 to 50 snaps. So he missed three snaps. That's it. Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, has he hit the mar- the point in his career where he's just, I mean, everybody eventually age catches up and it's going to happen to Larry Fitzgerald too, but Christian Kirk is the one who led this team today with eight targets, seven catches, 90 yards. And in fact, outside of Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk was the only wide receiver who had caught a pass on this team before this week. So uh, Chad Williams got his first catch of the year. One catch for eight yards. Congratulations. But yeah, it this is this team is just not one you want to be associated with. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. I'm willing to give Fitz a little bit of a pass, given the injury and, and given the way it was. I'd love to see how he looks with Josh Rosen. I, you know, from watching him, I, he, he still looks like Fitz to me. So I'm willing to believe that uh, age hasn't quite caught up with him enough. I mean, obviously, he's not peak. But I do think he's going to be usable going forward, particularly when Josh Rosen gets in there, basically because nothing could be worse than Sam Bradford. But I I agree. I'm going to, you know, you probably got to keep him on your bench at least next week um, until you see him uh, really put up some numbers. Uh, Final game, Seattle 24, Dallas 13. Uh, The reports of Chris Carson's demise have been greatly exaggerated. 32 carries for 102 yards with a touchdown. Rashad Penny sees only three carries for five yards. Obviously, Carson is the guy to own, at least in the short term. Where do you think you're going to have him ranked? on your rest of season rankings. I don't know, man. This is tough to see like the 32 carries here. I mean, I knew he was leading the timeshare today. I had no idea that he got 32 carries while Penny got three. Good God. I tweeted out something last week. So I'm going to take full credit for this Chris Carson touchdown today because Chris Carson. So I I tweeted out earlier this week that uh, the Seahawks running backs have scored one touchdown of the last 18 games. And that's terrible. So Chris Carson, like the thing is, Chris Carson can thank me for that. I kind of set everything in, in, in line for him to get that. But Jesus, 32 carries. Uh, wow. I'm just looking at that number and just thinking like, my God, I didn't realize it was that much. <laughs> I love it. You're, you're completely like your mind is just completely blown. You are unable to process the fact that the guy got 32 carries and, and make a coherent analysis. I understand. Look, I think in the end. I think Pete Carroll loves Chris Carson. I think he wants Chris Carson to be the guy. And I don't know if necessarily the front office agrees with him, obviously, because they spent the pick on Penny. But I think, I mean, Carson's going to be the guy. And, they, you know, the, the, the offensive coordinator, they want to run the ball. They want to run not that many plays. And, you know, 32 carries is a preposterous number. You just don't see that in the NFL at this point. But I, I really think, I mean, he's certainly the guy kind of to own in that backfield, um, at least in the short term. And, you know, I don't want to call him a reliable guy. He did average 3.2 yards per carry on the day. But, you know, I think he's going to be the guy there. So uh, for now, anyway. And what about Tyler Lockett? I mean, look, he continues to produce four out of six targets, 77 yards and a touchdown. I mean, where do you have him going forward? Yeah, Lockett, he's he's someone that's like in that wide receiver four territory for me. Like, I'm not going to go all out and try and acquire him if I don't have him. Just because, like, without Doug Baldwin there, his his targets, I think he's always going to be, like, once Baldwin returns back to the lineup, I think Lockett's like a four to six target per game guy. And I don't think that's enough targets to consistently be a fantasy relevant player. Now, granted, he's scored touchdowns in every single game thus far, making it seem like everything's great. And if you go back the first two weeks, Will Disley did too. 
Will Disley finally, I'm, I'm sorry, I hate to root for someone's demise, but Will Disley, that's what I was waiting for, the one catch for four-yard performance, because I was just tired of hearing people say, you have Will Disley too low in your rest of season rankings. I'm like, okay, all right. But no, I mean, Lockett, I, I feel like when he doesn't score and, ba- and Baldwin comes back, there's, there, I think they're expecting Baldwin to come back next week against Arizona. Tyler Lockett, I don't think will... Like, I think that he's like, I would consider him a sell high right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Lockett is a pretty solid wide receiver three when Baldwin is out. And when Baldwin is in, I do not start him in fantasy. I think that's basically been shown for the most part for his career. Everybody wants more. But in the end, there's just not room enough in that offense for two wide receivers. Right. You agree with that, basically. On the other side of the ball, Ezekiel Elliott looks great. 16 for 127. He does lose a costly fumble. Is there anybody else in Dallas worth owning other than Ezekiel Elliott? Absolutely not. 100% agree. They're literally, it is a fantasy waistline. Dak Prescott does not look good. There is no wide receiver on the team that can really do any impact whatsoever. So it's just, it does not look good there. Any final words then, Tags? We ran a little long as usual. I'm still getting used to the time, but any final <laughs> words on that game? Or you, you want to talk about the Bears some more? You go right ahead, buddy, whatever you want. No, no, nobody wants to hear about the Bears anymore. That was a terrible game. It was not fun to watch, uh, but it was another, it's another week of football. Like I said, there is no such thing as a bad week of football. Always enjoy wrapping this up with you. Uh, uh, Bobby and I will be back recording an episode tomorrow, which will be out either tomorrow, Monday, well, Monday night or uh, Tuesday morning. And uh, we'll be talking about some waiver wire additions. Well, that's it for today's show. Before we go, I do want to say a quick thank you again to the sponsors of today's show, NFL Game Pass. Remember, you can relive every great moment of the NFL season by getting a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass at nfl.com slash fantasy pros. Also, Pristine Auction, which is the one to give you our Todd Gurley signed giveaway. They have a lot of great stuff on there, so make sure you go over there and check it out. And there's a how did you hear about us section, so make sure you mention that you heard about them from fantasy pros and finally tommy john you haven't experienced true comfort down below until you've worn tommy john's underwear hurry to tommyjohn.com slash fantasy pros for 20 percent off your first order on behalf of mike taglier i'm dan harris enjoy your monday i just wanted you to watch me just all slow